Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Limerick Soccer Podcast, where we're joined by analysts Jason and Noel O'Connor. Uh, Noel, before we start, actually, it was brought to my attention by your uh, fellow correspondent there, Jason, last week when, when I was at the, the Wexford game that, you know, your, your connections in Wexford have led you to, to buy an advertising hoarding there by the name of the Saucy Butcher uh, that you, apparently you go by down in Wexford. Is this true? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I went by a lot of names down in Wexford, so it all may well be true. But uh, I was delighted to get the photo of it because I had forgotten about it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, Jason got one back there, let's say, for the, the slagging from, from the last couple of weeks. <laughs> but, um, Jason, just while we're on the, the subject of, of Wexford, obviously, uh, 3D United uh, defeated Wexford 2 1 in Freddie Carrick Park uh, last Friday. It was the club's first, or the senior men's team, first away win of the, the season. Another box, box ticked, I suppose, as I said to Tommy Barrett after the game. And considering the way it started, obviously a disastrous start. Within two minutes, you, you go behind to a very soft goal from Kyle Robinson. Uh, it was it was a, a really good win. What did you make of the performance? I thought it was a great win, Adrian. You know, and as Tommy said, and as we say, and, and Noel in particular said it last week, Three points of this division makes a big difference. And, and away from home, they're very, very hard to come by. As you rightly say, the goal down inside two minutes. Kyle Robinson, a super finish now, to be fair to him. Back four looked very square. Um, probably because it was so early in the game, if we're going to make a case for them. Um, probably too far out for, for Ty Grind to, to sweep up as well. Um, but... It was something that Wexford tried to target all night. I felt, um, you know, they were trying to hit balls over the top at times because the new treaty were were high up the pitch. But fantastic response, obviously, from from the lads. Um, two very, very good goals. And, and Mark Ludden, I suppose, showing his work yet again. Um, <coughs> involved in both goals. Um, second goal, I suppose, in particular... Really, really good move. Um, and Jack Lynch finished it off. And I think it's important to mention Jack. I thought him and, and Callum McNamara were pivotal to, to turning the game in Treaty's favour. Really done a good job in the middle of the park, I felt, picking up second balls, um, winning first balls as well. And, and that kind of turned the tide in Treaty's favour. We spoke last week about how Wexford would set up and, and they did set up in that shape. The three... The three, four, one, two, um, and I felt they were a little bit wide open at the back at times. You know, the centre backs looked too far apart for me. The three centre backs, and and that was kind of part of of the second goal. It was centre backs out in wide areas, and a two v one obviously created from a a diagonal pass from Charlie Fleming to Joel Custrain. Ludden on the overlap, and Kieran Hannan will be disappointed he didn't finish it. But, but Jack Lynch finished it off. And, and the second half, it was a really good performance. I thought they managed the game really, really well. You know, sat in. We're, we're happy with their loss. We're happy to invite Wexford on. And, and again, the introduction of, of Willie Armshaw always a, a threat on the break. Matt McKevitt also, massive energy when he came on. And we saw him a little earlier than usual. So maybe Tommy is leaning towards giving him a start. But... Really, really good with Adrian. First away win of the season. Um, and a big three points when you look at the way the other results went. 
Yeah, Noel, we did highlight this game as a very dangerous game considering Ian Ryan had picked up his first win as manager and the club had picked up the first win in, in the season. Uh, then you concede within two minutes. It definitely seemed like we could have been on, we could have been right in what we said. And in fairness to 3D, there was there was great character shown, Noel, but you know, one outside the second goal was a superb goal as well. The first goal coming from a set piece, and true treaty could have scored four goals in the first half alone. Uh, from set pieces, it has proved a, a really strong point, which is vital in, in the second tier in League of Ireland. There's no other about it, and I suppose the advantage, like you know, to concede early, it gives you a lot of time to come back. And in fairness to treaty, they didn't take a long time to come back into the game, um, and they had had a couple of chances before they scored. Westwood looked very vulnerable to any cross in the box. Um, didn't seem to be capable of dealing with any uh, set piece. I felt they, you know, that they they might have done their homework a small bit better in terms that they seem to be kind of caught cold, if you like, with some of the deliveries from uh, from Treaty, where you think that you know that they would have seen them before, uh, particularly for Anto O'Donnell's because he seems to have taken Clyde O'Connell's place at the moment with Clyde out in, you know, arriving at the back post or being at the back post and Treaty looking for that overhead ball. But the way they keep the ball alive in, in the set plays is really, really impressive. Um, if it goes too far to one side, you've likes of Joel Costano picks it up, doesn't stand on somebody, just makes sure he misses the first man and just puts it back into the danger area. Mark Ludden is very good at that as well. And they're certainly uh, reaping their rewards from that. Yeah, certainly. And, and Jason, just a point I wanted to pick up on that, that you mentioned there about uh, Willie Armshaw. I know there's four subs made for Treaty, but in particular, Armshaw and McKivitt, they both had, had a goal each, actually. Well, obviously, there was a superb individual run from Willie Armshaw where he left, but Harry Groom, I think, and definitely Larkin Fitzgerald uh, for dead towards the, the end of the game and, and was just hit a shot wide. Obviously, Matt McKivitt did very well when he came on and was on for half an hour as well. Uh, I asked Tommy after the game, were they pushing for a start? He kind of gave me the answer that... that that they were, but he also likes bringing them on when the game is a bit more open or, you know, in off the bench. Uh, do you think that it's only a matter of time now before one of them and maybe even particularly Lee McKevitt will get a start? Yeah, I think McKevitt in particular, you wouldn't have an issue starting. Um, looking at the Wexford game, Karen Handlin and Norton Fitzgerald, it's similar in the sense, physical battle bouncing off each other. Um, I felt um, Kevin gave, gave Larkin a, a whole new set of problems when he came on. Um, he's full of energy. He, we don't want to just focus on his work race and he's running in behind because he looks technically good as well. Ed. You know, you wouldn't be afraid to, to leave him up there on his own. He's, he's able to hold the ball up and he's certainly running Kieran Hanlon close now at the moment for, for the starting berths. But I suppose then when you're looking at it from a managerial point of view, when you need to change the game, who's going to be more effective coming off the bench? Is it going to be Kieran Hanlon? Is it going to be Matt McKevitt? So I suppose that is a factor as well. But the lad certainly deserves a start, in my opinion. Willie Armshaw, slightly different because he's not going to give you the defensive side. I suppose that Matt Keane or, or even Joel Custrain or if it's Edward McCarthy that's back out there, when Sean McSweeney is, is back in the side. So he's more of an impact player at the moment for me. If Treaty were dominating games, you'd be saying, yeah, you can start Willie and you're getting that team from the beginning. But, but Matt McKevitt in particular, yeah, I think he'd be very, very close now in the coming weeks. Um, we move on now, Noel, to the Cove Ramblers game, which is on Saturday evening at Collins Park. 
at 7pm. Uh, it's it's a game where Cove now are coming into them in great form as such. You know, they've beaten Cork now, uh, had a great win, the, the eye-catching win of the, the round against UCD last week. Uh, it was. It's a very tricky tie at any point, but but now it's going to be extremely tricky. But both sides going in full of confidence, so it's, you know it should be a good game, really. Yeah, it's got the hallmarks of a great game. Um, I thought Cove were particularly poor the night they played in the Marcus Field. Um, one of the poor, I think, it was the poorest performance we saw from any team. Um, I watched them a few times after. Um, I saw them against Galway, and you know while they were beaten three 0 there was a couple of penalties in it, and I thought some of their players did, you know. Did really, really well. I think the the centre forward is going to be a handful as a Jake, Jake Hegarty. Um, even though he, he hadn't been scoring a match with Sam against Bray as well, I thought he's play. How we talk about, you know, the likes of what Kieran Hanlon does, he's back to, to goal, holding it up, bringing players into it. And uh, he's, at, he's added a goal to it now, so he'll certainly be full of confidence. And uh, um, you still wonder about how, how true the form is for... Cove, um, you'd still think the three of your favourites going down there. Um, Cove have a few more results to get, I think, before you know you could put them on a par with Treaty at the moment. When you look at Treaty with their 19 points, um, they've certainly been a lot more consistent uh, than Cove. And Tommy will well know that it's a real banana skin going down there. And it's a bit like when Cove played Cork City, the kind of farm is out the window. It's the next kind of derby for Cove outside um, Cork City, and it'll be. A really, really tough game, but you still have a lot of confidence in Treaty coming away there with the three points, with the form that they're in at the moment. Yeah, Jason, admittedly, I only watched uh, the bones of a half an hour so far of the UCD and Cove game uh, last week. It seemed like they had started with a, a 4-3-3 as such. Uh, Kieran Griffin, though, playing close to, to Jake Hegarty, they actually had a couple of chances uh, off that as well, Lee Devitt was was playing in the middle, which he'd be more accustomed to, I suppose. Uh, he, one, there's going to be a few uh, battles that Treaty have to win. There's one battle, I suppose, in particular we might highlight is that you know you've you've Ian Turner who started out on the left in in Cove or sorry in UCD. Uh, you know it's going to be uh, Charlie Fleming returning to a club where he's very close, uh, which is very close to his heart as well. If Turner is on form. Uh, in particular, that's that's one battle that'll be uh, interesting to watch. Yeah, Will Adrian, it was, I suppose, a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, whatever way you want to look at it, in and out of possession. Lee Devitt was probably the furthest forward of the three in the middle. Um, and he's more of a defensive, winning the ball type of player. And, and he did a lot of work off the ball as well. So he's very effective for him. UCD obviously set up with three centre-backs. So that's... The two wide players, you'd Turner, you'd also Cooper in wide areas, and, and they were pulling the UCD centre backs out. It'll be a different proposition as as we know when they face a back four with Treaty. Charlie Fleming's discipline, I suppose, let him down um in the in the home game with them. And I know Noel has some reservations about his temperament and maybe his mentality and, and stuff like that. So I'm sure that'll be questions. You mentioned Turner there and and in fairness to Adrian, you've called him a, a couple of times. Depends what Turner turns up, really. He can be very, very effective, as we know, and then can be very ineffective as well at the same time. So that'll certainly be an interesting battle, like you said. Where the where I think Treaty might get some joy, or where they could possibly get some joy, is down the flanks against Cove. Um, that's where UCD, I suppose, got most of their joy in. And that's maybe where Treaty could target, especially on the left-hand side. 
with Ludden if he can get forward and if it's the same with Joel Custrain out there. But they sat very, very deep against Cove, or my apologies, Cove sat very deep against UCD. Will they sit as deep when they play a treaty? That's kind of, I suppose, the things that we'll have to look at early in the game. But I suppose treaty, like no one said, 19 points on the board. Clubs are going to start looking a little bit more closely now at treaty and how to break them down and, and where they can be got at. And look, it's blatant for everyone to see with the number of assists Mark Ludden has. I'm sure it'll be a tactic to try keep him at home, keep him pressed back. And I know if I was managing against Treaty, the first thing I'd be saying is don't be giving away cheap corner kicks or set pieces where they can trouble you. And if, if you take that out of Treaty's game, Adrian, then it might be a little bit more difficult for them. Yeah, definitely. And, and on top of Mark Ludden's deliveries from corners, we also know that he can deliver a, a long throw, which is like a corner at times. The only thing is, is that Coleman's Park, as, as we all know, is a tighter pitch. You don't have the big long run up for a, a javelin type throw as well that you, you might get the purchase, you might get on it and the power and all as well. It's it's a pitch though, overall that defensively would certainly suit Treaty, you'd imagine, from the outside looking in. Yeah, because they like to, to fill up the middle, if you like, and they did it very well in the second half, particularly against Wexford, um, you know, when they were in front. And Wexford kind of played into their hands. And Jason talks about, you know, teams getting a bit of joy um, at, um, attacking the flanks. And I think you, if Cove are to have any joy, they certainly won't get any joy if they try and go down the middle. Because, you know, again, the, the two centre-backs were, you know, very went about their business in a very quiet way, but didn't give um, Wexford too much after conceding the goal. And you had Jack Lynch and Colin McNamara then, so you basically had a bit a wall of four there in the middle. And a lot of the time I saw Wexford, particularly on the left-hand side, going down into the final third and then just knocking the ball inside and it, they were knocking it into a crowded area. So certainly if you want to play it that way, a pitch like St. Colin's Park would certainly suit you. And it'll be interesting to see if if Cove see, see the folly of that and maybe look for 1v1s um, against the full-backs uh, and try to get around them and create a different kind of a cross, which would trouble the the treaty centre-backs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Jason, you touched on it a couple of times in, in your last uh, uh, piece there that treaty are on 19 points. Obviously, they've, they've went into third outright on their own uh, following last week's results. They're eight points currently ahead of Cove Ramblers going into this game there's all, all, obviously a huge incentive now that if you beat Cove you're really putting them uh, away from your distance now you know with a win and considering the light we have UCD and Bray playing each other you've Galway and Cavantini playing each other around you as well it would be unbelievable uh, to get to get a victory you now on Saturday night Yeah it'll all be massive look they're, they're perfect in a really really good position Adrian but you know, it can change so quickly in this division. We've seen that as the weeks go by and our core out of the equation. If they beat Treaty, they're certainly not. They're back in the equation, in my opinion. But if Treaty do beat them, you could be chalking them off the list, you know. And then you're looking at, OK, Shelburne probably go up as champions. Then it's it's four from UCD, Treaty, Kevin Teeley, Athlone, Galway and Bray if Treaty get the three points um, in Coleman's Park. And and it's coming to that stage where I suppose Treaty needs to be thinking that way, you know, and look, picking up 
some sort of a result every week is obviously their goal, you know, and you can't be expecting to go away from home and win every week. It's not going to be as easy as that, but the inconsistency of Cove, I suppose, you know, would, would lead us into believing that if he can go there and win, and, and you rightly say, if that's the case and results go go for them as well, then, then we're in dreamland, we really are, but I wouldn't be taking anything for granted, that's for sure. Yeah, Noel, I will come to Jason on this point as, as well in a, in a couple of minutes uh, because obviously he was he's had strong views since the start of the season on this. But so you also agreed with him a bit last week in that you feel that Tommy Barrett has had, there's been a bit of an evolution in terms of his approach uh, to managing uh, the the team, you know, a more defensive minded approach uh, since and not and less possession based since he was with Limerick FC. Uh, when I put that to Tommy, he felt that maybe he agreed with G to, to a degree in terms of his time at the Premier Division because he might have encouraged his teams to to hold on to the ball more and not give it away as much. But he feels he hasn't changed an awful lot since uh, the 2019 uh, First Division campaign with Limerick FC. I, I suppose, you, what, what would be your response to that? Um, but sure, I'm sure Tommy knows best. Um, I wouldn't have been following his style of play that closely. But I do feel that they are certainly more defensive now whether it is the characters and the personalities on the pitch that that he has in comparison to the ones that are about 2019, I'm not sure. But I think anyone looking in, you know, even a, ca- a casual observer would say that they're certainly more more defensive-minded, more pragmatic. I think they're better organised as well in terms of set plays. I mean, we are talking about that and we keep on talking about, you know, how good they are in the attacking sense. But... Uh, they're not conceding too many in the defensive sense either, and that was something maybe that that wasn't there before, and, it, and it, it's certainly there now. Now sometimes it's it's the manager, and other times it's just the personnel. And if you have the right personnel there, and that's what they want to do, well then it it certainly helps you. But um, whatever he's done or hasn't done, I think you know his experiences. I've been a manager because you know you keep on learning all the time, and you do make mistakes, and you, you see things, and you know you get older, more experience, and it certainly helps you. And you'd like to think every year that you are managing, you are becoming a better manager. Yeah, and Jason, I suppose your own response to, to Tommy's response uh, last week. And Noel mentioned, obviously, you know, there can be a few factors to it. Obviously, your experiences, your learning uh, through, through your experiences in the past. And then you have your personnel. And then I suppose he also has, uh, as we mentioned before, like Mike McCarthy and Mick Shield there, who if we've learned anything from those lads in their time in junior football, they were always defence first uh, types of coaches with their sides as well so suppose there is a number of factors uh, that could lead to that change too Yeah I suppose look when I was saying defensive what I mean is they're a lot more solid in their defensive play, they're not overplaying in the defensive third, we saw a glimpse of that in, in pre-season Adrian and, and I was quick to point out that that's not going to work in this division and thankfully that was been straight away whether it was by Tommy or, or Dave Rooney as the goalkeeper coach encouraging Ty Ryan not to be uh, looking to be the centre of attention when the ball is in that area. Uh, but that, that kind of sums it up for me. You know, they're not... That, when you look at that from a coaching point of view, that is defenders attacking. That's what we call that when we're overplaying in, in our defensive third. When you're teaching young players how to play out from the back. That is defenders attacking because you're in possession and you're trying to keep the ball. And that was always the way I saw Tommy's teams play, whether it was in the Premier, whether it was in the First Division, whether it was his time with Geraldine's even in, in the Premier Division the year he did that. Um, there was always a sense for me that there was overplaying in wrong areas. Do you know, and it's 
it's certainly not a criticism of him. It's certainly the opposite, in fact, you know. Um, and there used to be a running joke between myself and Tommy about Neil Warnock and stuff like that. But I think he's realised that he's in the results business now and he's certainly getting the results based on, on how the team is set up. And they're playing for corner kicks. You could see that, obviously, again, against Wexford. There was a couple of occasions the ball was in Matt Keane's area of the pitch, actually, and, and Joel Constrain's. And rather than keep it in and try play and, and manufacture something, they're letting the ball run out of play for a corner kick. So that's the type of stuff that, that I'm talking about. And I don't think that can be denied. And I don't think Tommy should be kind of shying away from it. I think he should be proud of the results, proud of the performances. I'm sure he is. And we're very proud of the work that he's doing with the side. So, so there's no issue. It's not a criticism. It's just really an opinion, Adrian, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely, and he's he will be totally aware of that as well. I suppose no, we already know Noel uh, from your earlier comment what you really think in terms of uh, what the result could be Saturday evening. But to give us a score prediction for Coventry, really. yeah, I think uh, I put my head in the chopping block as we were mad to talk about butchers today and uh, <laughs> go for two one victory for for Treaty. Just think overall they're a bit stronger, a bit more consistent, and I think the form they're in. I think they have a good chance of eking out a win. I'm not convinced yet that Cove have kind of turned the corner. I'd probably be convinced if they do get a, a positive result on Saturday, but until they do, um, I wouldn't be just yet. That was a good pun. I'm disappointed we didn't lead in with that now. Um, Jason, your, your own view on, on the game Saturday. Uh, I know we were we were wrong last week as, as a whole unanimously and, and thankfully as well, but what, what's your own view of this week? Yeah, I never mind being wrong, Adrian, when... <laughs> And Treaty come out with the three points, I'll be honest. Um, yeah, I'd agree with Noel. I think Treaty can go there and get, get the win. Very, very difficult to be predicting scores. Um, if Cove don't turn up, there could be two goals in the difference. If they do turn up, it could go the other way. But look, you're looking for a prediction. I'll, I'll join Noel this week and I'll say it's going to be an away win. Um, I'd love to see Ty Ryan keep a clean sheet. It's a while since he kept one. I think he's a really, really good keeper. So maybe one or two nil to Treaty. Love to see it. Yeah, I'm a bit uneasy with all this optimism, but uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it plays out uh, over the weekend. Uh, to move on to some of the other fixtures, uh, some big fixtures in the division, I suppose, like every week. Uh, Noel, the Bray Wanderers uh, have host UCD um, at the Carlisle Grounds. It's it's a massive game, probably more so for Brave and then UCD, despite the fact that UCD will be champing at the bit to get back after a 2-1 defeat on the Cove. Yeah, and it's two teams obviously in desperate, well, fairly desperate need of, of, of something. Um, I still would feel that UCD are a very good side and you might get that odd inconsistent result because of what they are, you know, in general, a group of students. But overall, to me, they've they've been a lot better than than Bray, and there's a bit more goals in them as well. So I'd I go for UCD win there. Yeah, and Jason, then we have Galway hosting Kevin Kevin Teeley. It's the game that didn't go ahead that Galway were awarded three points for in the first round of fixtures due to the the late. COVID uh, positive test and um, we know there was a bit of controversy around it but look Galway got the three points Galway also got the three points again very late I, I suppose there's two ways of looking at Galway isn't there they, they really haven't uh, come out of the blocks in, in most games they seem to take ages to get going the only other thing you will say about them though is they don't give up I think that must be three or four games now that they've scored an injury time uh, to rescue points or even win games 
Yeah, do you know, and I watched it. I watched it back, Adrian. And look, as you'd expect, I suppose, huge celebrations from the team when they got the winner. Um, kind of similar to, to what we saw from Treaty on a couple of occasions when they were scoring with the whole team. And, and John Caulfield, I saw, was in the middle of the celebrations himself, which is excellent to see. And that shows, I suppose, the togetherness that, that Galway still have, despite not having a, a fantastic start to the season. I was wrong on Kevin Teeley last week. I thought Cork would, would turn him over, and they didn't, you know, and Cork looked in big trouble for me. But, yeah, look, I always go back to John Caulfield, to someone I admire. His approach is something I admire, his honesty. And I'd like to see them do well, and, and I think they will beat Kevin Teeley this weekend, and, and I think it's kind of onwards and upwards for Galway, and I wouldn't bet against them, but in the playoffs, certainly not. Yeah, definitely. And, and Noel, lunch yourself now, we have two teams who are kind of coming in uh, in downbeat mood, really, to this game. You've Athlone Town and Cork City playing each other at Lizzie Woolen. I was just, you know, out of interest looking at comments underneath the, in, on Twitter from Galway's late winner. I know it's obviously a real sucker punch to concede late and everyone feels like it's the end of the world uh, when you're the team that concedes. But, you know, Athlone have really, outside of one or two results, have obviously been on a downward spiral considering their their early start. Um, this is very important, like because Cork City do look in big trouble. They've only got nine points. So, you know, for, for both managers as well, this is a really big night. Huge night, I think, yeah. I think is it one one win in five now for Athlone, a team that was going really well before that. Um they got a a great win in Turner's cross with a with a, a kind of a, a goal with ten minutes to go, a mistake from a Cork defender. Um, I'm I'm leaning towards a draw here. Um, I think they are two teams in a bit of bother, obviously because Athlone have the points on the board. They're not in a as a poor position as as Cork are, and I just have a feeling that um, this game will end up as a draw. Yeah, and, and then finally on to the the, la- the last game of the bunch. Uh, We've Wexford against uh, Shelburne, and I know that uh, uh, young Evel, Evan Farrell came on last week for for Wexford, and I was actually speaking to to his relations a, after the game, and you know they they were obviously you know fearing the worst when you when you're Shelburne at the moment in in, in the form they were in to, coming to town, Jason. They they really are in in scintillating form, and and speaking to both the treaty and Wexford camps, it's kind of coming around the whole division now that there's an acceptance that. You know, Shelburne looked like the odds on, like we've been saying as well. It's going to be an unbelievably difficult night for Ian Ryan and Wexford, considering by last week. What oh, is, you know, a very, very strong result again last week against Bray. You know, and, and Bray have quality players in their squads, albeit they haven't been firing all season, but Shelburne comfortably turned them over. Eight wins, three draws, and, and yet to suffer defeat. They could be looking at going through the season undefeated I suppose Adrian and, and kudos to Noel for, for flagging that at the start of the season he's picked to win the league um, and it certainly looks that way the goals against Collium kind of tells you all you need to know I suppose 10 goals only conceded and I suppose you look down the table and Treaty have only conceded 11 and that's where I suppose the truth lies because we look further down and, and Wexford uh, are 24 conceded so it could be a very, very tough night, especially if they set up in the same shape, I suppose, with, with that back tree really spread out. I think it'll, it should be more of a five at the back for Wexford as opposed to a tree. Obviously, we saw last week they've lost Alex O'Hanlon. He went back and Luke Turner. 
both were on loan spells with Wexford and, and they've been a loss for them. So they won't be looking forward to the firepower coming from Shelburne, but obviously you couldn't look past the Shells win there. Yeah, definitely. It's it's bound to be an exciting weekend and, and we'll be glued to, to the action uh, this weekend and the results uh, as well. Uh, to move on, I suppose, to the big talking point, we have the, the Euro 2020 Championships uh, delayed for a year, uh, being played out at the moment. Um, before we go on maybe to, to the matches and, and whatnot, uh, Noel, we had a very scary moment to the whole world with when Christian Eriksen collapsed during the game uh, between Denmark and Finland and it, and it looked really bleak there uh, for 15 to 20 minutes. Um, very, very scary. It just shows you as well, Noel, the absolute importance. I know at that level, you know, you will always have the, the top medics, but for every club around the, the country, all countries at any level, the, the importance of having defibrillators on board, a real life-saving situation. I know you said you were speaking to Dave Mahidi, who said they've been used in UL recently and and have, have been, um, you know, have been life-saving for many people. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose, look, I mean, just the, the sense of relief that, you know, there's been statements and words out of Christian Eriksen since, so because it could have been a lot worse. And initially, people were saying that, you know, that the worst had happened. I suppose the couple of bits that kind of jumped out at me is um, you, you do wonder what's going on because obviously he's had a couple of, Massive moves um, in his career, and I'm sure he's gone through some very strenuous medicals um, in those moves. And obviously, nothing has shown up in those. And uh, you know, for something like this to happen to, to a guy so young, and then I just picked up today or something that it was his 66th game of uh, of this season. You know, and then you wonder, like, is is this is this what's happening? You know, because we players are getting fitter and stronger. You know, their body fats are going lower. They're, you know, they're covering a lot more ground. They're doing a lot faster. And, you know, there has to be an end game at some stage in terms of, you know, what the human body can do. And it, it's just, you know, is, 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 it the, is it the next kind of concussion scandal, if you like, you know, this what happened 20 or 30 years ago in terms of, you know, the damage, you know, that people got from hitting the ball. I wonder, is, is all this mega fitness if you like and all the games that are being crammed in in two or three games a week and the level that you know that they're playing at now the speed that they're playing at now and you know the training they're doing is 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 there a detrimental effect in that so look the main thing is that he's okay but I'm sure people will be watching closely and seeing is 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 there more of this I'm sure a lot of players now will have themselves checked out again and there will be more regular checking, which certainly will be good, but it's just baffling to think that a guy that age and of that fitness and with the medical expertise around him for the last 10 years that, that something like this could have happened. Yeah, it is an interesting point, Jason, because obviously it could be just an individual I don't know, unluckiness or, you know, that, that 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 would be the case. But as Noel said, the players over the last 15 years, maybe in particular, are almost like test tube dummies, aren't they, at the moment? Because we don't really know what the results of this modern professionalism. I mean, you've got players strenuously doing gym sessions all the time, playing a lot of games and in in the court of, of soccer we'll we'll go we'll speak about now. But you know, you have obviously like some monster players as well when they went into the professional era. I suppose we don't really know the effects of, of what those players, you know, are being put through. I know people will say it's their job and the likes, but you know it has gone up a notch and maybe there is a point there that it might be a bit too strenuous as well. Yeah, like you said, Adrian, it's it's hard to know. You can flip that over, I suppose, then and, and, and question that in the past, you know, players didn't get the same care and attention. 
you know, that they do now, there's recovery sessions and, and obviously with COVID this year, games were crammed in. And as no one said there, the, the quantity of games played and the rest periods in between would be a factor. But unfortunately, players dropping on the pitch isn't something new, Adrian. Is it? You know, we look back, God rest their souls, Mark Vivian Foy, mm. obviously someone that we watched play in the Premiership, you know, with Man City and West Ham, Chick Diote with Newcastle as well. You know, both players collapsed on the pitches, you know. So is it time that maybe the government stepped in? you know, and, and provide defibrillators if that's possible for every ground in the country and, and every code as well, not just football, you know, the other sports, you know, because obviously it's when something happens like that in the Euros, it's, it's for everybody to see. But when you bring things down to local level and provincial levels, like, like myself and Noel and yourself always do, then it's the care of the player that should be at the centre of it and, and players' health. So, I suppose the government, the national governing bodies, should be doing all they can to to prevent it. Yeah, definitely, and obviously, as well as the fibrillators, the the training levels from coaches and, and volunteers, obviously, on on using them would be vital as well. Um, another, Noel, I suppose to, to get on to maybe a brighter note. Obviously, it's great that Christian Eriksen came through that, and and that, that was a big boost for everybody. Uh, you know, obviously, maybe the Danish playing the game. There's there's debates on whether that should have went ahead on the same night. But anyway, going on to maybe how have you seen? How has the tournament been so far for you? I know we, we haven't all seen as much as we maybe might have liked. But obviously, the Scottish and English and Welsh have all had a differing starts. You've got a, a draw, a defeat, and a win there. Obviously, the English uh, started quite well. Uh, of those nations, um, you know, the, the Scottish will be bitterly disappointed, I suppose, after their loss today against the Czech Republic. They would have been targeting that game in that group. Yeah, and I, look, it was a game I didn't see, but I was kind of taken with Steve Clark's comments, you know, that I heard throughout the morning, the radio, like he was kind of big enough, Scotland, they're saying that they're that they were entitled to be there and all that. And I thought it was a bit strange. It was like that, you know, they kind of had a chip in their shoulder, like they didn't deserve to be there or something. And um, I, I found those comments just um, very, very strange from a manager on the eve of, 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 of a big game. Look, you know, they were beaten today. They have England on Friday, which, look, I think everyone would be in, in, in seeing that game. And look, it could be like Cove and Cork City. Farm goes out the window and, you know, if they bounce back, There'll be a lot of pressure in England now, you know, to, to, to swat them aside, for want of a better word. Um, I thought they were impressive enough yesterday, the way they passed the ball and kept the ball. Um, a bit workmanlike, but um, he picked a kind of a defensive kind of a side, really. Um, I felt that Croatia have kind of shot their bolt, you know, obviously the World Cup final couple of years ago, same same group of players on the go, if you like, for eight or nine years, and they just looked a kind of a tired outfit to me. But uh, it's early it's early days yet, but a lot a, a lot of good games. Um I've 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 caught up in a lot of them and a lot of good football been played, um a couple of good goals and it listen has the makings of a, of a really, really good tournament. Yeah, we're currently so dedicated that we're missing one of those games uh, this evening, but that ha- that has to be done. Jason uh, we haven't made it ourselves, obviously, and, and you know we don't even go into the fact that we probably won't be making the next tournament either. But uh, every tournament, there's always big talk because of how close we are as well about England and their chances. We obviously know the English media always uh, build them up. Uh, obviously, from what you've seen uh, yesterday, probably, and and what you think overall of the squad, do you think there is a, a real chance that that this English team could finally bring football home, as they keep telling us? 
No, and as much as I would like to see it, Adrian, I'll be honest, because when, when Ireland aren't in competitions like that, I would always support England because we watch That's them. the first time anyone I've heard. No, no, <laughs> we'll, always, sure, we'll watch these players playing for Liverpool and Man United and yeah. it's idiotic really in my eyes that if they change shirts, they suddenly become out of favour with us, you know, so I don't buy into that. It's sport for me and I have a lot of friends in England and, and stuff like that, so I... I support England. Won't be waving the flag or anything like that. Don't get me wrong now, but from a football point of view, I think they're short at the back, most definitely. Um, I wouldn't have any faith in John Stones or, or Tyrone Mings, to be honest. Um, Harry Maguire might make it at some point. They have some attacking players who are very, very entertaining. Obviously, Phil Foden and um, Jack Grealish when he gets a game. Um, Sterling obviously got off the mark early and, and Harry Kane. So, they are, they are nice to watch at times, Adrian, but they're definitely short for me. They've had a lot better squads in the past. Um, I know they went close a couple of years ago and things done well in the World Cup and, and stuff like that. But I would say a probably quarter-final, that would be about their, their limit. Yeah, I probably think that, uh, along the same lines as yourself. Um, once again, lads, thanks very much for the contributions this week we, we had a lot to talk about and hopefully again next week we'll have uh, plenty to talk about and again be you know talking about a, another positive uh, treaty performance and possibly victory uh, which will cover fast in the, the, the playoff chase uh, for, for the new season um, so thank you everyone for, for joining us and we'll be back uh, same time next week <laughs>